We are in a series called Generations. Some of you are saying, it's taking a whole generation to get through this series. <laughs> We've actually only got three left. Uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to have Brian Heaney come, and he's going to be teaching on marriage, which is really important for our generation series. And then we've saved a very interesting one for last. We're going to have uh, Josh Chalmers come all the way from Eston College to come do some teaching on, on technology in the family. And uh, lo- I've had lots of people come and actually ask us if we'd teach on this. And I thought, you know, instead of tackling it myself, I'm, I know Josh has taught on this quite a bit, and I thought, I'm going to get in pulling a ringer, someone who uh, is, is uh, a little bit more tech-savvy and tech-aware than probably I am, and uh, so we're excited about that. So, this, so these three last ones, but today, uh, today we're going to um, get a couple special guests who are going to join me on the stage. I've got uh, Hazel Rain and Linda Henry are going to come and join me, and they're going to help uh, me with introducing what we're talking about today. So... Um, Without further ado, can you give him a big welcome here? So I gave them a really hard assignment. I really did. Yeah, <laughs> Hazel just said, yes, you did. <laughs> I gave them a really hard assignment. And the hard assignment I gave them was, was first... Oh, it's good. I'll, I'm good. You just fi- pick your favorites. Pick your favorites. It's good. It's good. Um, you see, these ones are the ones they're used to saying, you sit there, you sit there. Now I'm messing up their system. Um, this was the assignment I gave them. I said, I'm going to ask you two questions on Sunday morning. The first question is I want to ask you is, what did your parents do right? Okay? So think about that. What did your parents do right? And then I said... This, I think, is the harder one. Ask your own kids what you did right. How many of you think that might be an intimidating question to ask your own kids? <laughs> now, I think it's a little easier when your kids have gotten a little bit older because there's a halfway's chance that they might have come to sort of be appreciative by that point. But, you know, some of us are thinking, boy, I wouldn't ask my kids that right now. But uh, so we asked them to ask those really two challenging questions and then come and give us some feedback on, on uh, what their reflections were, but also what their kids' reflections were. And again, to give us a little bit of a snapshot of, about parenting and about, uh, about this tricky role. And again, we know no parent does things perfect, right? Other than we have a Heavenly Father who's a perfect parent. But the rest of us are sort of stumbling along and trying to figure it out as we go. And uh, so I appreciate you guys doing the hard work and of thinking this through. <laughs> And uh, Hazel, do you want to get us started here this morning? Are you feel good about getting us going? And tell us a little bit first about what your parents did right. We'll start there. This is on or off? It should be on. Should be tr- tried out. Well, one of the things I so much appreciated all through the years with my parents is that there was such harmony in my home. I never, ever, ever heard my parents argue, and uh, I think that is such a blessing. And then to see that uh, God was all important and I remember every morning I would see my mother's Bible on the table and I knew that uh, whatever hour she went to bed whatever hour she got up that the Lord was the first thought of her life and I was just so thankful for that example so that's a good starting place (laughs) that's pretty great that's pretty great well is there more is there more do you have more to talk about your parents your mom and dad well we (laughs) we were a family of nine children 
and uh, I was number number four of the well, there were a few others that didn't live. Let me just ask: Did you go by numbers or by names? Uh, <laughs> uh, by names, but when I had five younger brothers, the names got all mixed up quite okay. often. <laughs> But I was very, very thankful for uh, a family of harmony and a family where we all learned that work was important. And uh, I think it is, that is a very important lesson that children need to learn that all of us are involved in work and uh, working together. And obedience was very important. And I, I, don't, I actually don't remember uh, Dad ever having to use the stick, but I do remember that uh, there was a, a stick behind the mirror, and if somebody wasn't listening, he would just glance that direction. <laughs> Nothing more was required. <laughs> but I'm very, very thankful for a very harmonious home, and uh, I think that's a pretty big thing. My father passed away when uh, I was 16, but my younger brothers were between uh, five of them, between three and 11, and. Uh, I remember somebody saying to my mom, why don't you move to town? Because we lived way out in the country. She said, what on earth would I do with five little boys in town? <laughs> <laughs> and so she carried on on the farm and all of my brothers turned out to be good, dependable workers. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know one of the big things that went into it was constant prayer. My mother was a prayer warrior. And that was one of the things that we were taught was to seek to the Lord and uh, he gives the strength and the grace. And honestly, I never remember hearing my mother complaining and grumbling. And to me, that's amazing when you think of all the things she had to face. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for the constant example she was. Cool. Can I jump in with a question here yeah. for you? So you said your, your parents taught you work ethic. And I bet there's some parents out there going, how? How did you do that? <laughs> or what did you have to do? What were some of the jobs? And, and how did they teach you work ethic? That would be, I think, a big one for a lot of young parents who'd want to know that. Well, we grew up on the farm and that's probably a big help because I think it's much harder in town to find jobs for your kids. Uh, I remember dad building me a special little stool when I was three years old. I was out milking the cows with them. <laughs> and we all learned to work, uh, work together. I'm sure that mom probably came and made sure the cow was finished milking by the time I was done. But I was very glad that we learned at an early age that all of us had jobs to do. And one of my, one of my favorite uh, pictures in an old picture album is my dad walking up a hill with two, two full uh, buckets and uh, one little boy on each side of him helping him carry those buckets up the hill. <laughs> but that was part of the working together. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask one more question because I'm really curious. How many hours a day did you kids work? <laughs> guesstimate. Just guesstimate. Which, at, at what, I mean chores, not schoolwork. At what? My generation? Well, yeah, when you were a kid. How many hours, like when you were well, 10 to 12 or something, how many hours a day did you work? I never bothered thinking about that. The cows had to be milked in the morning and the pigs had to be fed. And, the, and uh, there was always lots of work to be done. So hours we never thought about. <laughs> You're hard to pin down, I'm finding that. <laughs> All right, so lots of work, lots of work. And and your parents were patient enough to involve the kids in the work, right? Obviously, I'm thinking about carrying pails and having kids help me and thinking, oh yeah, <laughs> my patience would be tested at certain points in that way, but wow, that's great.
Yeah, well, I have no doubt the patients were tested, but I never, never sensed impatience in either of my parents. They were so, so patient with us. Okay. So. All right. <laughs> Linda, share a little bit about what your parents did right. Well, Hazel, unlike you, I do remember the stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that my parents did, I think that influenced all of my family the most, was they filled our house with all kinds of people. <clears throat> my parents really have the gift of hospitality, and our house was always full of, of uh, rich and poor and old and young and fat and thin, and it didn't matter. They served them all the same with gladness. I never, ever saw my parents begrudge having somebody in our home, and that really influenced us a lot. I'm the oldest of six <laughs> kids, so... Um, our house was always full of our friends. My mom welcomed them, and we did live in town. My mom baked bread on Mondays, and after school on Monday, all of our friends would vie to get an invitation home, and the back step was always full of kids with a big, thick slice of warm bread with butter on it. And um, mom, I'm sure, probably had to bake an extra batch of bread just to feed all of our friends. Our parents also invited strays for special occasions, and by that I mean there were always people like students who lived far away from home and couldn't get home at Christmas or Easter, or um, if mom knew that somebody was working a night shift, say in the middle of January and there was a storm, she would make sure to call the hospital or wherever and invite them to our house so that they could sleep and have a good breakfast. And um, I remember one Christmas, one of my brothers had the mumps, and we, the rest of us, were so ticked at him because we couldn't have guests for Christmas Day, and it was all his fault. And that was just the kind of, of atmosphere that our parents created. They would deliberately invite people. Often it was impromptu, and there are lots of family stories around that that are pretty funny. My parents are now in their mid-80s, and they still have people regularly call them and ask to come and visit them and stay with them. In fact, in the family, we call their house a bed and breakfast because it, it really is. And they were always generous with whatever they had or have. My dad's a retired minister, so you know that we weren't rolling in the dough, but I never remember feeling poor or disadvantaged in any way because my parents were so generous with what they had. Same as with Hazel, my parents prayed and they let us know that they were praying. We saw them pray. They prayed with us. They prayed about everything. To this day, we know that they pray for each one of us by name, by specific need, every single day, plus the hundreds of friends that they have who contact them and ask them to pray for them. And they still give God the credit for every good thing in their lives. And it's not just some flippant phrase. They actually mean it. If something good happens, they believe and they say, that is from God. That is from God's good hand. It's a really good um, example for me, for all of us. They live out their faith every single day in a hundred little ways. And so, of course, when the big ways show up, I mean, you just know that they're turning to God. That's not a problem for them. We laughed a lot in our family. Each of my parents have a really good sense of humor. And uh, you know how it is when you've lived with somebody for a long time and you start doing that little nah, 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 nah about, often about dates. Well, I'm sure it happened in 1972. No, it happened in 73 because Aunt Milder was. No, it happened in 72. And my parents to this day will do that sometimes and then all of a sudden one of them will burst out laughing and the other one will grin and that's the end of it. 
they both win because neither one of them has to win an argument, and that was a really great example for us. Um, one of the things I really appreciate my dad is that he has stayed informed and current. So my dad's 85 years old, and he could probably still outmaneuver many younger generations on the computer. He bought a Commodore 64 when they came up, out, and he has stayed current with computers <laughs> right to date. Um, he was telling me a few weeks ago that he got an, a new program for his computer to do their church books, and he likes it way better than the one he was using before because and he goes into all the technicalities of it. And I think that's pretty cool. The other thing that he's done is he reads a lot, and he stays current with Christian thought and changes in Christian thought. So if I ever come across a new author or I see a new speaker, I'll just give Dad a call. Hey, Dad, have you heard about Joe Blow? He'll say, you know, I was just reading about him. Mm. And he'll give me the background, and he'll tell me if he thinks the person is doctrinally sound or not. So I really, I really rely on my dad for his library mind. And one other thing. My parents told me clearly when I'd done or said something that needed to be corrected. Now, I didn't appreciate it at the time, I must admit. But when I went away from home, you know, 18, 19, went away to school, I realized that my parents had my back and that what they were actually doing was helping me become the kind of person that God wanted me to be. And so it was after I left home that I began to appreciate it. So hang in there, parents of teenagers. Eventually, they will appreciate you. <laughs> That's great. Anything else on the first question? The first question of what your parents did right. Can I ask, so I, I'm, I, I grab it, Linda, when you were talking about it, and Hazel, you talked about it too, the example of praying parents. So, um, you know, you said they prayed lots. They prayed, what did it look like? How did you, like, obviously, you probably didn't see them all the time they were praying, but how did you see them or observe them as a child praying? Like, when, when did you catch them praying? I remember one time when my parents were going through a really difficult time in ministry, and I was putting away the laundry, and I opened my parents' bedroom door and found my mom on her knees beside the bed in tears just crying out to God. And uh, so that was one memory that really sticks in my mind. But I mean, it was a drop of a hat, you'd, you'd pray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my recollection. I, th I think a great deal of praying was done by us standing and scrubbing the clothes on the washboard <laughs> and out milking the cows and all kinds of things. So prayer was just an all time season. Right, praying while you work. <laughs> All right. Well, now we, you know, you, you did the extra homework assignment, I assume, which means you asked your kids how you did, and now that's nerve-wracking, right? And you just hope your kids are going to be gracious, right? So how did it go when you asked your kids what you did right? Hazel. <laughs> well, I thought that was a really dangerous question. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, very grateful for the answers my kids gave me. And um, <clears throat> my, actually, I have my, my daughter's answers on this paper, and what thrilled me most was the first thing she mentioned was putting God first, of having devotions together. And I thought, praise the Lord, if that's the first impression that comes to mind, I'm very, very, very thankful for that. 
And uh, among the other things mentioned was the harmony in the home. That never, all three of them said, never ever did I ever hear you and Dad argue about anything. And I was very, very grateful for the uh, atmosphere of harmony that constantly went on. Mm -hmm. So those are two of the things I'll mention. I'll let, let her carry on now. Okay, okay, <laughs> go ahead. Well, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking to, um, <laughs> to wonder, you know, if I'd accomplished my goals. Because when I became a mother, um, this is just who I am, I kind of had a couple, three goals in mind, things I wanted to be able to pass on to my children. So our kids live in Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, so I texted them and then kind of held my breath for a day or so <laughs> until they got back to me. You too? Same yeah. thing, yeah. And I was, I was so relieved and grateful when actually the three big things that I had had in my mind as a goal as a young mom were what came out of their responses. So the first one was that we always ate supper together. Now, um, John's family, uh, John did not have a good experience at mealtime with his family. It was, a, it was a, an unhappy time, and it just, he didn't enjoy it at all. And in my family, it was fun, it was conversation, it was connection. So I decided, we're going to go with my model for my family. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, and uh, John certainly cooperated. We would rearrange our schedules to make it work. Um, you know, so we still did music lessons and basketball and, and rugby and all those extra meetings and stuff like that. And we would just literally rearrange our schedules so that we could have supper together. And John made sure that he came home from work. When the kids were younger and in an elementary school, I would have conversation starters. So I never asked my kids, how was your day? Because then you get fine. Full stop. <laughs> End of conversation. It still, so would, it still works like that. It's amazing. That question. So is I would ask things like, "Did anything? Did anything funny happen to you today? Or did you see anyone who was sad today? Or did you help anybody out when they needed some help?" And um, when the kids were younger, that really helped them then to articulate what had happened in their day. And then I would sometimes use those kinds of questions when they were older and, you know, you sit down for supper and everybody's kind of tired and bummed out and you need a, a conversation kickstart. What we did at mealtime was when we deliberately passed on our faith and life lessons and um, training. And it was interesting that those things came out. I'm going to read what... Uh, what one of our daughters, well, a couple of our daughters wrote back. Um, Mealtime. Lots of cultural exposure and discussions as kids so we didn't see differences as a boundary to friendship. I like that one. Teaching us to think independently and critically, not just giving us the answers all the time. Teaching us the value. I, remember, we are the proud owners of two millennials. Two, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, this is pretty great. Teaching us the value of earning things like a university degree, not just having it handed to us financially. Mm. And by that, she meant lots of different things. And then uh, along with eating supper together as a family and then doing devotions. So devotions for us were like two to four times a week. It wasn't every night after supper at all. And I was determined that it was going to be fun. So we did games, we did acting, we read others' books, depending on the age level of the kids. I remember one favorite book was called Frogs in Pharaoh's Bed. 
And another one, when Ryan and Amber were young teenagers, we used Don't Check Your Brains at the Door by Josh McDowell, just as a way to get them thinking about their faith. And, and so we would do that, not, not just after supper, but during our conversation at supper again. The second thing was prayer, like you. And uh, I always, I prayed with my babies from the time they were newborn. When I was putting them down for the night, I would pray with my babies. And sometimes, I must admit, the prayer was, oh, God, make them sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I was praying. And then as the children got older, it didn't matter who, John or I, which one, were tucking them in. We would pray with them. We would teach them how to pray. We would pray for them. And that was a very important part of the day. Uh, when they started going to school, John was often at work, so I would pray with them deliberately before they went out the door to go to kindergarten or grade one. And then when we moved to Pexico City, John was actually the one who mostly took them to school because he would drive them to school. And so he would pray with them in the car. And he taught them that you can pray anywhere, and sometimes it's best to pray with your eyes open if you're driving a vehicle. Um, on Mondays in Mexico City, we couldn't drive our vehicle because of pollution controls, and so we had to walk the kids to school on Mondays. And again, it was usually John who did it, and then he'd walk down the hill and catch a bus to work. But between, between two streets, just before you got to the school, there was this alleyway that had really high brick and stone walls, and around the corner was the kids' school. And partway down this alleyway was this little lone volunteer tree. It was kind of a scraggly little thing. And John started the habit of every single Monday when we walked the kids to school, which never one of us it was, we'd stop. And that was where, at that tree, we would stop and pray with the kids before they went to school. And today, 25, 30 years later, all you have to say is the praying tree. And every one of us in our family has this picture of where that is and what God did at that little tree in that alleyway. We have prayed over the phone. I have prayed by email when our kids didn't have phone service available. Um, I'm just gonna do a little aside here, probably taking part of your, your sermon notes or something, but as we've gone through this series on generations, almost every week I've thought, oh, that's such a great idea. I wish I would have done that. And maybe some of you are sitting here and listening to us talk about prayer and going, yeah, I wish I would have prayed with my kids, but you know what? They're older now, they're teenagers or they're adults, and it's, it's a little bit awkward. I can't really pray with them now. I'm going to challenge you this week to get up your courage and just say to your kid, no matter how old he or she is, or maybe a niece or nephew, I don't know, just say, by the way, I pray for you every day, or... I pray for you on Wednesdays when I'm going to work or when I'm walking the dog. So if there's anything special you want me to pray about, just tell me and I'll add it to the list. Because I don't think it matters how old we are, we still appreciate that incredible warm feeling of knowing that a parent or an aunt or an uncle is praying specifically for us, that they care enough about us to pray for us. So I'm just going to challenge you to do that. The third thing that was really important to me was communication, and I wanted to make sure that we communicated well and lots in our family, and actually our daughter Amber um, talked about that. She said, I also like those books we had. So once our kids got into elementary school, I gave each one of them uh, a little notebook, and it stayed in their bedroom, and at night before they went to sleep, they could write anything in it they wanted, and then leave it on their pillow the next morning, and sometime during the day I would go, I would read, I would respond, and then I'd tuck it under their pillow for them to find either after school or the next night. And uh, I, 
I kind of remembered it, but I'd kind of forgotten that we'd done that for a number of years. And Amber said, I also liked those books we had where we could write whatever we wanted to you, and you would write us back. This was a really good way to confess. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. <laughs> Just another couple things um, that the kids wrote, and I'll read off of here. It was great how much we traveled, and you guys placed value on experiences over things. And that's what we did. Um, if we had any disposable income, we would use it to pull together a trip to go someplace new or to take our kids on a little missions trip, even if it was just like a day-long trip that we would do where we would, we would use our resources and take them and, and serve somebody else. So that was really important to us, to, to buy experiences rather than things. Um, Andrea said, volunteering, both you and dad super involved in school trips and dad showing up at every basketball game. And actually, I went to most of the basketball games too because I needed to put my hand on John's knee because he would get so excited. I'd have to like, shh, you can't say that to the ref. <laughs> and then the last one, and this will warm the cockles of some of your mother hearts. I couldn't believe it when this showed up. It was also good you didn't let us have a Nintendo and you made us take piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so how old do your kids have to be before they say that? Uh, mine are in their 30s. Oh, so. okay, okay. <laughs> Hazel? Well, I was re really very blessed by the input from my kids. But, um, one of the things that Brenda mentioned, we saw how important it was to reach out with love and friendship to people we met. And uh, our home was a place where we nearly always had people. <laughs> it was very seldom that it was just our family. And uh, she mentioned how she loved to sit at the table and listen to all the, all the things, that, the discussion that went on and the things that she learned just from listening to those interactions. And another thing that... Uh, she mentioned was the importance of music and singing. Mm. And music was a very big part of life in the Rain household. <laughs> and uh, my husband uh, played both the accordion and the guitar if needed and the piano. And music was always very much a part of our lives. And, and uh, she mentioned how, how much that uh, meant in um, new courses and the songs and the new things that were learned and how, how much we learn of, about the Lord just through, through the music. And then she mentions the joy of laughter and our house was always a place full of laughter and even in the middle of the night when you're working and you should be in bed, we always found something to laugh about. And, <laughs> and it was a big help. And uh, another thing that she mentioned and the, the other kids did also, that we learned that we could depend on God for anything any situation and that was one of the great blessings of our lives we uh, most of you know that we spent Lloyd and I spent most of 40 years out in India as missionaries and uh, the rest of the time working here and it was just such a joy to see how God provided we we never fretted but yeah lots of time there one one long session we didn't even know from one month to the next what our home was going to be but to see how God provided just exactly the time when you needed it and the finances just when you needed it and uh, 
it was not something we ever fretted about. We just knew, well, God's going to supply in his way uh, when we need it. It'll be there. And I'm so thankful that the children, uh, like they mentioned, that didn't have any sense of fretfulness over what was going to happen because we knew that God was going to meet each need. And uh, I'm just so thankful for... Uh, I know it was a great blessing to me getting the feedback from the kids and, and just hearing uh, the impression on their lives and knowing that, that they have learned that they can look to God, whatever the situation may be. I'm, I'm going to surprise you with a bonus question here because I just have to ask it. I didn't give you this in, in advance, but I think you guys are, you've both, uh, this is inspiring and I wish I had my pen anywhere near so I could take furious notes, but um, I think most people are going to have to whittle it down to one or two things that they're going to take away because there's so much to take away. But here's, here's the thing I want to throw out to you guys, or to you ladies, and that is when, um, when you report on your family lives, it, again, we ask the question, what did your parents do right? And you ask your kids, what did you do right, right? And so what sort of has not been spoken about, what did your parents do wrong and what did you do wrong? And I'm not asking you for that. But I know that because this is a time and we're, we're focusing on honor at this point, we're focusing on honoring our fathers and mothers, uh, we're focusing on the positive. But I'm just making a guess and I want to sort of give context to this. Obviously there's things your parents didn't do right, I'm not asking you to report on that. And obviously there's, parents, there's things that you didn't do right and there's probably times where your kids didn't appreciate you. I'm assuming this is the case. Um, did Tell me about going through those seasons, either yourself, where you felt, maybe you felt, if you felt bitterness or resentment or, or some sort of animosity towards your parents, or tell me about when your kids maybe faced that. Because I'm, I'm hearing some wonderful things coming out of your kids to honor you, and some wonderful things coming out of you to honor your parents, and I think that's where we want to end up. That's where we want to end up. But we want to understand that this is not automatic and lots of kids struggle in relation to their parents. Tell us about the struggle either that you experienced or your kid experience, kids experienced and how you got through that or how you came out the other end. And I know I'm putting you on the spot, so please forgive me for throwing a, a hot question at the very end of the. But I really want to know about that aspect. Well, my list of screw-ups is deep and wide. Um, but I have always counted on the fact that Jesus is also deep and wide. And I remember praying when, I, when my kids were little. Lit, I literally prayed, God, please preserve them from my mistakes. Um, and there have been times, uh, lots of times, when I've had to go and apologize to my children. I remember one time when I had to apologize to Andrea, and she was only like, maybe four years old. I don't even remember what I'd done, but I'd done something. And she's up on, on the top bunk, and I apologized to her, and she put her arms around me, and her little hand's patting my back. It's okay, Mommy. And I just, I mean, I just burst into tears. That was even, but she was so forgiving. So I would say um, just recognizing my own sin, apologizing, and then um, incredible sadness when I have screwed up, and just turning that over to God over and over and over again and, and letting go of my children. I guess that's, that's the, the hardest thing for a mom, maybe, is letting go of your children and actually believing that God loves them more than I do. 
and doing my best and never stop praying for them, pray my socks off. For those of you who have little children, guess what? Um, I thought that by the time they were 18, I would have done the bulk of the work and I could kind of leave them, you know, let them go on their own and I wouldn't have to, pr ah, forget it. I pray more now for my children than I did when they were little, when I had this semblance of control. So plan that you're going to pray for your kids your entire life. And sometimes they are going to make decisions that will break your heart. And sometimes they will do things and be people that make you so proud you can barely breathe. Um, and in both situations, I just have to remember they're gods. They belong to him. They're his responsibility. And I just continually turn it all over to him. And uh, including my own sadness at my own um, lack. And sometimes have to forgive myself long after God has forgiven me. Yeah, I, one of the things the kids mentioned was that um, they didn't, like at the time when, they, when you punish them, sometimes they're unhappy about it, but they said, looking back, we knew, we knew we'd ask for any punishment we got. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of nice when they realized. Yes. <laughs> and what age does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've all got their own kids now, so I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. But I'm just very thankful. Uh, above all, that God answers prayer, and when you see struggles going on in your kids' lives, that as you pray for them and pray for their situation to see how, uh, how God wonderfully answers those prayers. I can remember many times praying for my youngest, wondering what, what he was going to do, and now, now to be down in Texas last for a couple of weeks, watching him with his now uh, grown-up family, the last, last one just graduated from high school, and... Uh, to see the parents that they are, and all you can do is say, well, thank you, Lord. It's just a wonderful, wonderful the way you answer prayer and the way you lead and work in the children's lives. So I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Great to see when your grandkids are seeking to follow the Lord also. Yeah. Nothing more special. Awesome. <laughs> that goes with generations. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us. Can we thank them together here this morning? Well, I just, yeah, <laughs> incredible stuff. I'm just going to sum up here a little bit this morning. I wasn't sure how this morning would go, whether we would be, uh, what, how, uh, what the time would be. Now I look at the time and I realize. Let me give you seven reasons really fast. Seven, this is a seven-minute sermon, so I have to do it in seven. It was going to be a 40-minute sermon. Now it's a seven-minute sermon. Here we go. You ready? Why, I'm going to talk about why you should honor your father and mother. That's what they just did. Did you catch that? You were there writing parenting notes. This is about honor, right? This is about honoring your father and mother. We've been talking about wisdom and blessing coming from the generations above to the generations below. Now let's talk about what flows upward. It's honor. Honor flows upward from the generations below and up. Why honor your father and mother? Exodus 20, verse 12. Guys, if you get verses up there, great. If you don't get them up there, don't worry about it. Okay, honor your father and mother so that you may live in the, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So let me give you seven reasons why you should honor your father and mother. One, the Bible commands it. Is that enough? Okay, but there's more. Two, it comes with a promise attached. In fact, it comes with two promises. If you hear them, the one is, so you may long, live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And the other one is, so it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. So one is sort of like, sounds more personal, like I'll live long if I honor my mother and father. And the other one actually sounds like it's not just for you, but it actually is for society. It says that you may live long in the land, like the Jewish people, Again, this is, a command, this is a command and encouragement for them. If you want your society to not dissolve into anarchy, you've got to honor the authority that God has set up in your life. And that's your first authority in your life is your, your father and your mother. So let me read Proverbs 6, 20 to 23. It talks about this, the preserving effect of honoring your father and mother and listening to them. It says, my son... Keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life. So listen to your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. So the promise of life, a long life, a beneficial life, your parents taught you not to run into traffic. They taught you to eat your vegetables, not to smoke, not to blow dry your hair in the bathtub. All those things will lead to long life if you pay attention to them. But also, it will lead to health in a society. If you have a society of children who grow up honoring their parents and then their children honor their parents, it is health for our society. So there's two reasons. Number three. The third reason why you should honor your parents is you would not be alive without them. Okay, I want you to raise your hands if some mother went through labor for you. Just raise your hand. Did you realize what a pain you were? <laughs> I'm just, just teasing. Some of you didn't raise your hands, so maybe Brian Heaney, instead of speaking on marriage next week, could you speak on where babies come from? That would be... <laughs> That would help people, I think. Um, you were given life by God. God chose your parents to assemble the DNA that is you. Psalm 139 puts it in great words. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So... You wouldn't be alive without your parents, so that's another good reason to honor them. Number four, honoring your parents plays a role in learning how to honor God. Honoring your parents is sort of like the beginner school that leads to the advanced lesson, which is being able to honor God. Listen to Hebrews 12.9. It says, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? So what's implied here is that this assumption that it's normal to be disciplined by our earthly fathers and mothers, by your parents, and it's normal that you come to respect them for it. What they were describing this, mo this morning about how we disciplined our kids, they didn't like it, but later on they said thank you, that's normal. That's assumed. And so, it's, so when the writer of Hebrews writes this verse, he says, 
you know how your parents disciplined you? You didn't like it, but now you respect them? He's assuming that. He says, how much more should you submit, honor, respect God himself? So learn, to honoring your parents is like a beginner. Uh, it, it plays a role in learning how to honor God. Number five, honor your parents to be an example to your own kids. This may sound selfish, but there's a principle of sowing and reaping here. Your kids, if you're in the middle generation, I'm in the middle generation, I have parents above me, kids below me, they're watching and observing everything. They'll see how I honor or dishonor my parents. And they're taking mental notes on how to be a child of an imperfect set of parents, because they all are, right? So they look at me, an imperfect parent, and then I've got my parents, and they see how, do I honor them or do I dishonor them, right? Jesus is the great example in this. Uh, John 19 says, when Jesus saw his mother there, this is Jesus on the cross. This is amazing. He only says seven things on the cross. One of them is about taking care of his mom in her old age. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, that's John, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, that disciple took her into his home. He's taking on the sins of the world, and in that condition, in that situation, it is still important to make sure that his mother is cared for in her old age. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And it's really important that we continue to honor our parents by caring for them in their old age. Number six, honoring your father and mother Honoring your father and mother um, brings or takes you away from the victim cycle to the grateful cycle. This is really big. If you, um, again, every set of parents or any individual parent is a mixed bag, good and bad, right? We said one good that all of them get, they gave you life. But then after that, it's a mixed bag. Some did some stuff, some didn't do some stuff. You might feel bitter about certain things, you might feel grateful about other things, but your life will be dominated probably by one or the other, by bitterness or gratitude. And being dominated by bitterness is a terrible way to go. And really, you'd actually have a say in this. You're not just a victim that can't choose the path that you go on. You could choose to be grateful. This morning, we heard wonderful glowing stories about parents you know what it's because we asked them to be grateful we asked the right question what did my parents do right if you have if you are struggling in your relationship with your parent you're feeling bitter and 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 you missed out and you didn't get this and you didn't get that ask that question but what did they do right is there anything i really need to be grateful for is there anything i really need to honor I, you don't have to honor things that are sinful and wrong If you can't find those things that are good, I mean, start at the fact they gave you life. Maybe you can pick up something. They taught me something. They provided somehow. They supported me in some way. Find the good, and it will not only be a blessing because you'll relate to them better, but it'll bless you because you'll take the path of gratitude instead of the path of bitterness and victimhood. That's not a path you want to be on. 
So honoring your father and mother will take you away from the victim cycle to the grateful cycle. And seven, because honor your father and mother because you're an ambassador of the gospel. How can you honor someone who hasn't blessed you? You might feel that, right? We're talking about blessing from the older generations flows down. Wisdom from the older generation flows down to the younger. But honor flows up. But what about if you haven't been blessed? You might feel it the other way, too. As a parent, you might say, well, I'm not getting any honor from my kids, so how can I bless them? The thing is, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as a person who received from Jesus, we are all initiators. We initiate because Christ initiated with us. When we were still sinners, that means we were not interested in what God offered. We were rejecting him, living in rebellion to him and going our own way. He initiated by dying for us. He loved us. He demonstrated his love for us on the cross. He put it all on the table. It's the pattern that followers of Jesus follow. So once you've received that, once you've said, wow, I didn't initiate with God. He initiated with me. I didn't make myself acceptable to God. I didn't honor God first, but he blessed me. He made the way to God open through what he did on the cross. Then, once you've received that, you're in an incredible position to begin to extend that to the rest of the world, and it should start with your family. It should start with your family. I talked to someone just really recently, and they were saying how much they were um, in a real challenging scenario when it came to honoring their, their elderly parent. And they're saying, you know, they, they thought back, and there's all sorts of memories and all sorts of temptations to go down the, the bitter road. And it was challenging to go down the honoring road. And uh, they had to just continually make this decision Day after day after day, every time that they're engaging with them, every time they visit with them, then I'm going to get down on my knees before Jesus and say, help me. Help me come full of gratitude. Help me come with honor. Help me to bless. Help me to flip the script in our family life. I've seen so many people uh, who get saved in their teenage years. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I saw lots of this where people got saved in their, in their teenage years. Their parents didn't like it. You're a Christian? And they got mistreated by their parents during that time. And it was an incredible thing to tell very new believers to tell them, your role is to love your parents who right now are not being very loving to you. You are acting out the gospel every day. And you're, as an ambassador of Christ, you're showing them the change that Jesus has brought to this house because he's showered his grace and his love on you. You have a a reservoir to draw on that you can bring to the rest of the world. And I don't want to belittle this. I don't want to say this in a trite way. Some of you have been hurt deeply. Jesus doesn't take that lightly, right? He said it was better if if anyone causes a little one to stumble, uh, it'd be better for have a large millstone tied around their neck and be thrown into the sea. I mean, pretty severe stuff. Jesus does not like it when children are hurt. At the same time, God doesn't want you, if you've been hurt by your parent, to take the bitter road and to be further destroyed. Not only that, you take that road, you'll also hurt the people around you. God's plan for sin was himself. And so he went on to the cross and absorbed the sins of the world 
And as Ravi Zacharias said, it was the only place that sin has ever been thrown and it didn't bounce back. And God has called each of us as ambassadors for Christ to do that very same thing. If you haven't been blessed by your earthly parents, flip the switch. Cry out to God. Say, Lord, give me a love for my parents. Help me to honor those who haven't blessed me. For your sake, for your glory. And because of what you've done on the cross, I'm going to lean on your power to be able to do it. God is interested in changing family trees. He's interested in changing family dynamics. He's interested in changing you. He's interested in changing me. I remember the moment where I was telling the guys in my small group, I know for sure, or I'm quite confident that God has spoken to me that I'm supposed to write a letter of honor to my dad, and I've been struggling with it because I have all sorts of funny feelings about my upbringing. And I told him, would you keep me accountable to write this letter? And then the next week we came back together and I said, okay, I didn't write it. I'm like, okay, well, we'll just keep asking you. Then the next week, no, I haven't written it yet. Keep asking me. I know I have to do it. And then the next week, no, I, it still isn't written. I, I got to do it. I know God wants me to do this. I know this is what he's asking me to do. Finally, I did write it. And it changed my relationship with my dad for the better, but it changed uh, my relationship with God as well because it was, again, I, I moved out of this bitter path and onto this gratitude path, and uh, my relationship with dad went way up because suddenly I accepted him for who he is, right? Good and bad bits. And... I now knew I was going to not depend on my dad to get life. I was going to depend on God to get life. And then I had something to share with my dad. I want that for every one of us to experience what God can do in our lives. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray.